You'll have to excuse me. I, I'm still getting used to my progressive glasses. <laughs> Don't raise your hand if you have them because we can kind of guess our age, right? Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful moms that are here today and also to the moms that are joining us online. I also want to take a minute to appreciate not just the moms, but all the women that are here today. Mom or not, you are special. You should have received a nice little gift when you walked in the door. Make sure you use your little care package to pamper yourself, moms. When you have time, you deserve it. And don't forget to stop by our photo booth in the back and get a Mother's Day picture with your family at the end of the service. Well, my husband kicked off a series a couple weeks ago on mental health. It affects us all. And this is so true. I personally have experienced this in my own life. And let me just say, if you have not experienced it, you will sooner or later. And I believe that the reason why the Lord led us to do a women's retreat with the focus on soul care as well, and I do believe that this is the reason why the Lord led us to do a women's retreat with the focus on soul care as well as led my husband to do the series he has started um, because I just think it's challenging for us to really understand how to take care of ourselves, our whole self. His message the first week was titled, The Struggle is Real. And the second week was, it's okay to not be okay, you just don't want to stay there. And let me tell you that there is false information out there feeding followers of Christ that everything is going to be okay all the time. That is not true. He is good all the time. But everything is not good in our lives all the time. And this is why um, I believe God directed me to present this message today, and it is called Restoration in the Rearranging. I'm going to pray over this message before I begin, if you'll join me in prayer. Lord, use me this morning to speak to all that are here today. I am honored to be able to share your words of truth. And I ask that you move in the hearts and the minds of everyone that is here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, you know, I'm a woman, so... I, I'm going to teach a little different than my husband, although every time I do this, I'm like, how does he even do this every week? I'm like, gosh, it's a lot of work. You know, but people think pastors don't do anything. Let me tell you, that is false. So have you ever looked at your living room or any room in your house? Maybe if you're a guy in here, your, your tool shed and said, I really need to clean and rearrange this area. Some of you are looking at me like, I never do that. Like, but I personally do it quite often. I also know I may be a little OCD. My husband will come home and say, what did you move today or what is different? But for some reason, when I pull the furniture out and I clean behind it, it's amazing what I find, especially if my grandkids have visited us. <laughs> Toys, dirty socks, lids to water bottles. Dirty socks might be my husband's. I'm not going to say what size they are. <laughs> Cobwebs, dust mites. You just never know what you will find. Then you clean it all up, put everything back where you think it should be, and it looks and feels cleaner. It is great knowing that all the hidden items have now been removed and cleaned up for a while anyways. But what about when rearranging takes place in our lives? What does that look 
and feel like. Everything looks good on the outside. Nobody would know there's anything going on inside of us. We haven't moved anything around in a long time. Life seems to be going okay. You are on a schedule and do not interrupt my schedule or my plans. Life seems to be good. And then all of a sudden, rearranging in our life starts to happen because of a life-challenging event such as a job loss, a family crisis, losing a loved one, betrayal, rejection, divorce, phone call from the doctor with bad news. The list goes on and on. All of a sudden, the furniture in our lives has been moved and even turned upside down, and everything in our lives has been exposed, and maybe things that we didn't even realize were in our lives. It doesn't feel good because all the dust and the cobwebs, or we could say hidden things or damaged emotions in our lives are brought out in the open and we are exposed. Ephesians 5.13 says, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. See, Paul wrote to the Ephesians to present the gospel of Jesus Christ as the answer to the brokenness in this world. This was written a long time ago. And there was still brokenness in the world. To a culture that is marred by injustice and oppression. Ephesians reveals that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way to see true transformation in the world and in our lives. I love how it says we are exposed by the light of Jesus. Jesus is the light and he wants to shine his light into the dark areas of our lives. See, he makes things visible, or should I say, exposes us, so he can show us our great need for him and the importance of caring for our soul. See, if rearranging doesn't take place, we don't realize all the dust and the dirty socks that we have shoved behind the couches in our lives. We read on, Ephesians 5.15, and it says, So then, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise people, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Making the most of your time. Days were evil then, and evil is still here today. And that evil is the enemy of our soul. His plan is to destroy us any way he can. And one of the biggest ways he does this is by keeping us so busy and so distracted that we are not taking care of what is most important, and that is our soul, our whole being. That is why he instructs us to be careful, to not walk like the unwise, but as wise people. See, if Jesus is in our lives, he gives us wisdom if we ask him for wisdom. In other words, prioritizing the things in our lives that will lead us to soul care because the days are evil and you will be exposed, things will be brought to the light. So it is for our own good that rearranging takes place in our lives, even when it doesn't feel good. Some of the things that can be exposed when rearranging takes place in our lives is anxiety, fear, doubt, anger, hate, self-focus, pride, depression. The list goes on and on. I know everybody's kind of tar tired of hearing about COVID, but when COVID hit, it was something we had never navigated through. All of the decisions that had to be made, the responsibilities of making sure that everyone was safe and protected, but yet trying to figure out ways to keep people connected. The uncertainty of what was next, 
It was a very challenging time for all the staff at LWC and a very hard time for pastors and leaders. Many pastors and leaders left the ministry. They quit. That's why we would do this funny thing. We would look at each other and say, we're still here. We're still here. When most people were at home enjoying the stay-at-home order, we were working even harder. And it just didn't matter what decisions we made. Someone was always unhappy. And unfortunately, that is still true today. Not, not first service. Not first service. Then we started to come out of that. See, I do listen to him when he preaches. <laughs> then we started to come out of that, and it seemed that every couple months something major was happening, either in our church family or in our own family. <clears throat> Many of you know we were going through challenging times in our personal life as well. Furniture was being rearranged and things were being exposed. Some very hard things in the lives of people we love dearly. Choices that had nothing to do with us, but when choices are made, good or bad, it can and will affect our families. This could be our biological family or our church family, and you feel it. And even sometimes the bad choices that other people make can be mirrored onto you, and now somehow, somehow, it has now became your fault. The real issue is that we have neglected caring for our own personal soul. We have neglected taking care of ourselves mentally, spiritually, and physically, and we have been exposed. The definition of soul is the soul is the immaterial part of the human being that makes us who we are as individuals. It is our fundamental nature. So when rearranging happens and we are exposed it can push us to a place to see the need to care for our soul. It's a warning. John Ortberg said, the soul is the capacity to integrate all the parts into a single whole life. It is something like a program that runs a computer. You don't usually notice it until something messes up. How true this is. See, sometimes we don't know something needs to be fixed until it's broken. I have never been a real emotional person. But the last couple years as we faced some really hard trials, I could cry for days. I could cry for days. I could physically feel the pain in my heart. And I've, I've lost loved ones, so I know what mourning feels like. I had physical pain in my heart. It was stabbing pain, and my emotions were all over the place, and I realized I was broken. See, all the stuff I was carrying hit me like a ton of bricks. I have been in ministry for almost 25 years, and trust me, when we have had many, and trust me, we've had many trials, but I had never experienced this type of season in my life where I really felt like Elijah. I didn't want to go on. Now, I didn't want to take my own life, and I have empathy for you if you struggle with that. But at the moment, death seemed easier. Take me home, Lord. Have you ever been there? Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 says, my husband has been touching on this verse. <clears throat> Are you tired? This is the Lord talking to you. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? See, religion is trying to do it in our own strength. Come to me, he says. Get away with me and you'll recover. The word recover meaning return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength in your life. And then he, he goes on and he says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. And this is not a power nap or sleeping all day. 
Lord, if I can just sleep all day. It is not that kind of rest. It is rest for our soul. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And this is the message translation. I liked the way it was worded. And I love this because when it is unforced, it means no one is making us do it. And rhythms of grace is continually coming to him to find rest and going on in his grace. In other words, at times in our lives, we will get out of rhythm. That is why we need to continually go to him. Where there is no guilt or shame. No one telling us all the things we're doing wrong. Just love and acceptance. This is his amazing grace. And I need that. I don't have to do anything at all. Just sit in quiet and silence and let him restore my life one step at a time. See, I was in the word. I was praying. I was taking my thoughts captive as best I could. But I had become mentally drained. My soul needed to be reminded of the unforced rhythms of grace. And this is what led me on a journey to learn how to better care for my soul. And I am still on that journey. And I will be on the journey of soul care until I see the Lord face to face. And I strongly encourage you to do so as well. He tells us, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Who doesn't want to learn to live freely and lightly? But the problem is, is that somehow we think religion, our walk with Christ is something we need to do in our own effort and in our own strength. He says to us, I won't lay anything heavy on you or ill-fitting. See, those heavy things in our lives and those unsuitable things are not from him. Keep company with me, he says. Hang out with me and I will teach you how to live freely and lightly. In other words, he wants us to learn to be free and not bogged down by the things that were never meant to be in our life and lean into the unforced rhythms of grace. See, when rearranging happens and we are exposed, it is in the quiet and the silence that we can begin to experience true rest for our soul. I had never personally just sit in silence with the Lord and you're going to be like, oh, you're the pastor's wife. Can't believe that. I would pray and I would spend a few minutes listening, but I always had my worship music on in the back playing. But when I tuned out all the noise, it was so calming to just sit in silence with the Lord. Sit in his presence and say, here I am, Lord. Something happens in the quiet and the silence. We did this at the women's retreat. We set aside 15 minutes of absolute silence. And I'm sure most of the women would tell you that that was one of their favorite parts of the whole weekend. I encourage you to try it. The worship was great, the teaching was awesome, but just sitting in silence with the Lord and saying, here I am, Lord, was so empowering. See, it draws us closer to God and helps us become more like Christ because when we are in his presence with no noise, we are allowing him to love on us right where we are at. And there's so much noise around us all the time and it gets louder and louder it was a little uncomfortable for me at first and it will be for you as well but it is critical for your soul see our walk with the lord has to be way more than just showing up in church on sunday 
The devil has been intentional about putting so much noise around us to discourage us and distract us. He does not want us to have calm in our lives, and he does not want us to care for our souls. I asked Christy to put these three questions on the screen for you to kind of gauge where your soul may be, and there's no guilt or shame in this. I want you to look at them. The first question, I'm going to give you a few minutes, seconds to read that. Without feeling guilty, I freely take time to care for my whole being. Question number two. Is my pace of life manageable and sustainable with margin to reflect and be quiet while rarely feeling overwhelmed? Some of you are saying, yeah, I'm retired. <laughs> but to reflect and be quiet without feeling overwhelmed. See, sometimes the quiet overwhelms us because we're so used to noise. And number three. Don't hate me. Is my physical health good? Do I routinely exercise to stimulate my heart and lungs to build endurance and strength? See, spending, you know, getting in the word is powerful. Praying is powerful. If we're not taking care of our whole being and we don't have the energy to do anything with it, how is that good for us? Physical health doesn't mean that you're running a marathon. Just getting some movement for your lungs and heart to be healthy. 1 Corinthians 6 says, 19 through 20, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We saw last week how Elijah, the Lord didn't tell him to read two chapters in the Bible when he was wanting to take his life. He told him, get up and eat. That's physical. Feed your body. You know, we've been studying John where Jesus it came as fully God and fully man into the earth, on the earth, so that he could show us what it's like to be tired. You think Jesus got tired? Yes, he did. He got tired. He wept. He had all those emotions. But we see that he understands and has empathy for us when we are struggling in our soul to care for our whole body. Mentally, spiritually, and physically, it is so important. And see, this is what was exposed in me when rearranging started to take place in my life. I wasn't taking care of my whole being. I thought I was, but I wasn't. <clears throat> I wasn't blocking out the noise, and I still have to guard against this because there is a lot of noise. <laughs> There's a lot of noise. My question to you is, are you taking care of your whole being? See, the light of Jesus exposes us so that we can see the need in our lives to care for our souls and also the need to make a wise decision to make time for what is important, most important. And the wisest decision we can make which is to come to Jesus with our tired and weary selves and rest in the quiet and silence so he can restore us back to health. See, I think sometimes um, how we view God, we think we, can, we can't come to him because we're such a mess, but if he only knew the things I was doing, but he's the only one that can fix us, and there is no condemnation in him, just love and acceptance. Loving us right where we're at. Whatever state of life we're in. And I, I think that this is a huge part of mental health because sometimes we feel like we have to perform. And we have to have it all together. 
And Jesus says, come to me right where you're at. I know where you're at. I know your struggles. Some reason we just don't do that. We add more to our plate. We get busier. Because I don't think we like the silence. We're too used to the noise. Jesus had just heard that John the Baptist, his cousin, had been beheaded. And those of us, before we started this mental series, we were traveling through the book of John. We understand that John was Jesus' cousin. So Jesus had just heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded. And it says in Matthew 14, I'm going to start reading in 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. So Jesus was trying to get away. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge, huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he sent him away. No. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. See, Jesus was trying to grieve the loss of his cousin John, but life was still happening. There was a lot of noise. Life doesn't stop happening. And that evening, the disciples, I'm going to read on, 15, came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already, getting, it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. The disciples were very ready to send the crowds away. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Major teaching moment from Jesus He's saying, it's time to minister to these crowds, so, so go feed them. And we read on, and they say to him, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered. Basically, they were saying to him, how are you going to do this, Lord? <laughs> and see, this is very interesting because the disciples were ready to send the crowds away, but it wasn't time yet. We always look at people and say, they're too busy doing ministry or the work of the Lord. But the disciples would have missed a great miracle had they sent the crowds away at that time because they really didn't want to deal with them. They probably wanted to take a nap. So let me just say this and hear me. <laughs> Somebody's calling. No compassion can be a sign of damaged, a damaged soul as well. See, sometimes we're too busy. But we don't have compassion on people. That can be a warning sign for us. So Jesus says, bring them here. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Most of us know the story. Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up to heaven and blessed them. He broke the bread. They all ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. What a miracle that was. And they were full. See, Jesus had healed sick and also took care of their physical need as well. This shows us that Jesus cares about our whole being. Then, reading on in 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Now it was time. It was the right time, and Jesus sent the disciples across the lake, and he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there all alone. 
See, Jesus is God, and he still knew the importance of alone time with his father. But he also knew when and when not to send the crowds away. See, your pastor and his wife and the leadership and the staff are not the only ones that were called to minister to people. If you are a follower of Christ, you need to know when to feed the people as well. And we can only do this by taking care of ourselves. This is important because if we are so self-focused that we don't have compassion on people at times, we see that our soul can be just as damaged. And this is something can, that can be exposed in our lives, and it lets us know we need to care for ourselves, our soul. Something else that can be exposed is fear. With trauma, fear can attach itself to us. And we're talking about mental health, and so I picked out a few things that I know a lot of people struggle with. There's so many. We could do a, a, a series on mental health for, for months. The definition of anxiety that brings fear is this. Intense, excessive, and persistent worry about situations we have no control over. Have you ever been there? I know moms, we have. We talk about it in our small group. How we just want these things for our kids and they're, they're rejecting them. Making horrible choices and there's nothing we can do about it physically. We read on in 24, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from the land. <clears throat> so Jesus had sent them away. They're in the boat now traveling. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. Can you believe they had ghosts back then still? Like they knew this word? That's pretty. So we see here that the disciples were in trouble. There was a storm with strong winds and heavy waves. And doesn't it say in the world we will have trouble? Jesus came toward them walking on the water and they didn't recognize him. Why? Why didn't they recognize him? They had just fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. They fed the people. They saw the leftovers. But the fear from the storm, less than 24 hours later, had already caused them to not be able to recognize Jesus in their life. This is what fear does to us. The storm seems so much bigger than Jesus, even though he has already performed so many miracles in our lives, fear causes us to not recognize him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. So Jesus never left. He was there the whole time doesn't leave us then Peter called to him Lord if it's really you tell me to come to you walking on the water yes come Jesus said see we hear this again from Jesus come to me all who are weary all who are fearful why does he use all because we're all going to be there one time in our life or another time, we will be there. So Peter went over to the side of the boat, and he walked on the water toward Jesus. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I read the Bible, I get a little excited. Peter took a step, one little step, and then he started to walk on the water. He was walking on the water. we take that step towards Jesus, we are walking on water. And guess what? Our enemies, 
can't swim. That's a little joke, kids. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, what happened? He was terrified and began to sink. He was already walking on the water. See, the fear hit his mind, and the reality of the storm he was seeing and feeling was causing him to sink. He was not okay at that moment, but he didn't stay there. He shouted, Lord, save me. And some of us would rather sink than shout. Why is that? Why is that? Oh, my gosh. Don't let anybody know I'm shouting to the Lord. Might get offended. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he said, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. But he was waiting for Peter to say, help me, Lord. And Peter needed to face his fear. He needed to take a step. I always say this every time I teach. God didn't make us like robots. He gives us the choice to take those steps or to not take those steps. And then when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples worshipped him and they said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. See, when we are exposed and we start to sink, we don't give up. We cry out, we shout out to the Lord, and he will immediately reach out to us and help us. He will save us. I personally had really never struggled with fear. I've been walking with the Lord for 25 years. I had never struggled with fear till this last year. And I went through a time I had so much fear, trembling fear. And even now... If my phone rings after midnight, my whole body can start to shake. And I've seen God do one miracle after another in my life and other people's life, but this is what trauma can do to us. And why is this? Because I don't always know what the outcome will be, and sometimes the storm hits really fast, and we don't have time to prepare. You can tell... We can say all we want, we're prepared for the storm. But we get that phone call, we've lost a child, or we have a child that is hurting and we can't help them, it, it can cause us to sink for a minute. But I just lay there in the quiet and the silence when that happens, and I say, Lord, here I am. And he calms the storm in my life. See, the moving of the boat by the wind exposed in the disciples that they had not only doubt, but they had fear. The rearranging in our lives surfaces when our lives are out of rhythm. And what we believe, our actions will follow. And for that moment, they believed the wind was more powerful than Jesus. But when they got back in the boat, the wind stopped. And let me say this. When they got back in the boat. Jesus was with them. And they recognized who he was. And they said, truly, you are the son of God. And they worshiped him. What storm are you believing right now in your life that you think is bigger and more powerful than Jesus? What trial have you faced lately that you think is bigger and more powerful than Jesus. 
Peter stepped out of the boat to go to Jesus, and he was very fearful of the storm, and that is why he began to sink. We always use this scripture, and we say he took his eyes off Jesus, and he did, but I also think the fear caused him to lose his balance and lose sight of who Jesus was in his life. Now, we know here, those of us that study the scripture, we know that they had not been empowered by the Holy Spirit yet, but this shows us that they struggled with the same things we do today, doubt and fear, anxiety, stress, depression. And when we lose sight of Jesus, things can really weigh us down. But we can be restored back to whole health. But we have to recognize that we need to take care of our whole being. Jesus knew we would get tired and weary. Or he wouldn't have said, come to me all who are tired and weary. And we can't be restored in the rearranging unless we continually come to him. He says to us, let me put your life back into rhythm and remind you how much I love you. Let me take the heaviness from you that you were never supposed to carry. Let me help you know when and when not to send the crowds away. And when the storms of life hit, and we lose sight of Jesus and what he has done in our lives, all we have to do is shout out, Lord, save us. And he immediately saves us. But he won't violate our free will. We don't have to come to him. We can continue to try to do this life on our own. But we will grow weary and we will be tired and we'll be distracted and we'll start to find things wrong with everybody else because it's harder to look inward he will send us the help we need and he knows what that help may be my husband's been talking about uh, different areas of help, and I know some of us have, have experienced, extre experienced extreme trauma, and I just got done reading the book uh, called Mending the Soul, and um, Janet had asked me to read that a long time ago, and I, and I didn't. I, I see why I wasn't ready. But there's severe trauma in people's lives that they just don't know how to get out of. And that's why they need the grace and the, un, and, the, and the love from Jesus to love them right where they're at. Because we don't understand their trauma. And they may not understand our trauma, but Jesus does. And maybe you just need a good support group or a, a small group. I love our small group. So we can encourage each other and pray for one another. Just talk about the times that we're struggling. Maybe you need a trusted Christian counselor with the understanding that a counselor should never replace Jesus. But they can speak godly truth and perspective into our lives. Nothing that we do can ever replace Jesus. He is the only one that can transform and change our lives, but he will send us different ways of help. Different avenues to help us break through from that struggle that we're having. Sometimes trauma hits a whole family, and, and, and I have to say this because the, the husband and the wife will be getting counseling, but they leave the kids out. The kids need counseling as well. They have trauma too. There will always be crowds of people around us that need our attention, and the storms of life will come. 
but we will be able to handle them better if we take care of our whole self. I still have days where the storm can cause me to fear and doubt, but I take a step toward him and I cry out and immediately he calms the storm and reminds me I am not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. He is faithful. It's just us at times that forget he's faithful. As I get ready to close, <clears throat> I just want to encourage you this morning to take whatever step you need to take today. Maybe your first step is to say, say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Don't leave here without doing that. I can pray with you up front at the end of the service. Or maybe you are facing a storm that has paralyzed you with fear. You have trembling fear. And you need, you need to take a step out of the boat and face that fear. We talked about that in our small groups last, last week. What's one step you can take? Or maybe you're just tired and weary. Maybe you're just worn out. And you need a real rest. I want to play this song. And I'm just going to have you um, listen to the words. And just let the Lord speak to you. And then I'll, I'll close this in prayer.
rearranging takes place in our lives, and it will, when things are surfaced in our lives, it's important that we remember to make taking care of ourselves our whole soul priority. And we can only do that by coming to Jesus all the time. We never stop. And he gives us the rest that we need for our tired and weary selves. And he, he helps us know when to be there for the crowds and when to send them away. And he will help us when the storms of life come and they catch us off guard. He will help us if we call on his name to have peace in the midst of the storm, to bring calm and give us everything we need. So thank you, Lord, that you are always with us no matter what we face in life. Lord, I ask you to meet those today that said, I want to take that first step to face whatever situation they are facing in their life. Maybe they just want to say yes to you today for the first time. Help us realize the importance of taking care of our whole souls. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Yeah.